We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. This is a house of learning doctors. Follow the Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Ludor. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast, where we are live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all of your favorite social media channels. And if you're listening to this in podcast form, we appreciate the hell out of you, man. Uh, I am your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I am joined by almost the full team. We've got Taylor. We've got Justin. We've got Nick. But most importantly, we have a special guest on the pod joining us tonight. Uh, he is a former longtime NBA reporter and contributor for Sports Illustrated, currently reporting and writing for Bleacher Report. And he is the author of the highly anticipated NBA book, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. We are joined by the one and only Jake Fisher. Jake, how's it going, man? How can I be doing poorly after that intro? Thank you. Guys. <laughs> hey, we got to gas you up, man. We got to gas you up. Um, so let's uh, let's dive right in. Um, well, b- before we do, I, I do have to give a shout out to our boy Jacob Silva, who made us a new intro. Oh, yeah, if you guys intro. heard that, um, intro is fire. You guys, you guys brought the heat. <laughs> especially we have the quote of taylor uh talking about cat dog in there which is so uh, random. i have no i have no clue why we put that in the intro of an nba it, podcast it was when we were comparing old uh old 90s cartoons to, to players <laughs> it's uh ideal i forget who we even compared cat dog to uh on the thunder roster but i believe it was darius Baisley, if i oh. remember correctly 
There makes we go. absolutely no sense, but I still love it. And I love hear, hearing Taylor talk about a cat and a dog. So awesome. Well, Jake, let's start off talking about the NBA trade deadline uh, just yeah. passed, what, four, four days ago now. Um, I think my first question for you, uh, you've been reporting on the NBA for a while now, and I hope I don't ask any questions that like you yeah. you can't <laughs> divulge into or whatever, but I've always been curious, and I, I feel like you're the best guest we've had to ask this question to. What is that like? Like whenever you are reporting and, and saying, you know, hey, the, the Boston Celtics are still interested in Aaron Gordon working for a deal or yeah. uh, this or that or whatever, like what is that process like? Are, are you like um, Paul Pierce with the two phones in your hand, like <laughs> getting texts from different agents and trying to verify stuff? Like, can you just kind of yeah. go in the process of that a little bit? Uh, don't have two phones. Um, the <laughs> iMessage app on your laptop is very crucial um, mm. in terms of like, honestly, there's a lot of copy and pasting. Like, I'll, t I'll talk to somebody you know, from Cleveland, let's say, on a Sunday morning before the trade deadline. And you know, I, I think it's important to like have a knowledge of the league, but also not act like you're in the league, if that makes sense. So like, I mean, it's, it's taken time, but over the years, I've learned how to have those dialogues with team people where we're all like, we're all trying to figure out what everyone else is trying to do. If that makes sense. Like I now, now I'm at the point where I've been doing this for a bit where I have friends in certain front offices that come to me saying, Hey, you know, have you heard X, Y, and That's Z cool. to give you like kind of more of like a tan tangible how some of that stuff works is, you know, with the Aaron Gordon thing last week, um, Bleacher wanted me to do a quick um, predictions thing on Wednesday night for Thursday. And, you know, everyone in the league was saying Boston, Boston, Boston. I was talking to someone um, plugged in with Orlando I was talking with someone, you know, around Aaron Gordon. I was talking to other teams who were trying to get Aaron Gordon. All of a sudden, I got a text from some team saying, hey, it sounds like it actually might be Denver now. So, huh. you know, then start, you know, texting a couple people. And if I, everyone's – a couple people said, oh, it's, I think it's Gary Harris. And then from there, you know, you start to use – all right, I pull up the trade machine, honestly, like any fan would do, <laughs> try to see how the salary is yeah. And, you know, from also other – like here, I had heard that Bull Bull was a name they were trying to throw around, but I knew that Orlando wasn't really interested in Bull Bull. Um, huh. So you just start to like you're, – you're, you're piecing together different intel until you can kind of get the most um, solid, like, guess, I guess. And then you bring it to the person – this is my – this is my – I don't know if this is how everybody does it, but this is how I do it. And you bring that guess – which is an educated guess, right? To the person who would know, you save that bullet until you're like confident enough in it. And if they, if they are like, yeah, you're right. Then like you have it. Um, but sometimes most of the time you don't have it. Um, but sometimes you get lucky and okay. a person looks out for you and they give you something or you gave them something too. So that's, I don't know. I, I rambled a bit there, but that was kind of, a, no, no, that's perfect. And that's actually a perfect transition. So I, I had a question. I think they'll transition perfectly into this. 
you kind of hinted at this, but when do you kind of get to the point? Because obviously you guys are getting a lot of intel. Yeah. And we, we saw your, your Bleach Report article here. And obviously we saw your, your stuff at Sports Illustrated as well. But you you dropped the, uh, was it Thursday morning or was it Wednesday? We had the full um, article talking about Harrison Barnes and Aaron Gordon and all of you. It was like Monday, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or Monday, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you dropped a lot, a lot of tidbits there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. to the point that you have the, the, the aggregators, you know, out there, you know, Hoop the Central and yeah, 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 yeah. All, you're right. Right. So when do you get to a point where you feel comfortable putting those in article form where you like, you feel comfortable reporting on them? For sure. Um, so I've been doing, this is tip. I mean, I typically get involved in the rumors game around at least dating back to like the SI and slam. I got to, I got my start at slam. Uh, maybe this is going to get, to what you guys had going on in the, uh, later on the docket, but I was an intern at Slam in 2013, and like it literally didn't give me anything to do. Like my first day, they were like, "Look, this is an opportunity. Take it, take like take make it what you want." And it was like that weird period late May where the playoffs were still going on, but the draft season was still going. On. This was before like draft Twitter became a thing, um, and no one was covering the draft. So I just I would just started like like going on Draft Express's mock draft. And like figuring out, all right, Colton Iverson, like no one reaching out to Colton Iverson to do a draft story on him, like no offense. Um, so I was, and then, you know, you get that agent's info. And then I remember I was at the Nets had this like second round pick um, combine. And I did a story on DJ Steffens. I don't know if you guys remember him. He went to Memphis. He like kissed the rim. That was like his whole thing. He was like an intriguing prospect. I'd written about him before that event. I just went to say hi to him. We were talking, and an executive came up to me and said, "Hey, like, do you know, like, do you know him?" I said, "We did a story, whatever." And then he's, we started talking, and he said, "Well, you know, keep keep in touch. Like, here's my number. Anytime you interview these cool. guys, let me know." Because and, and I, I, that was my entry into realizing that this was like an ecosystem, and I could be part of it. Like, I kind think of the beginning my, of the networking. Yeah, and my approach to this is the long answer to when you know it's confident when you're confident to put it out there. It's also like when, um, to me, in order to get to that point, you need to have a relationship and a base on people where you, they know that you're talking to them pretty much off the record until you're on the record. That's been my approach, and it's been the one that's worked for me. So when I'm talking to um, people throughout the season, you know, like right now for Bleacher Report, like I am just writing rumor stuff. That's not typically what I've done, right? I typically do right. like weird off-court feature stuff. I was going to say, you go in depth into, into certain stories. Uh, kind of like you mentioned, some of those young prospects that people weren't covering. Um, now yeah. it's much more mainstream, but you're diving into those topics and and um, and, and kind of writing stories on them. For sure. So in, even in those talk, like I, I know basketball, I've been around the league, like you just start you know, even talking shit or just like talking about like what your thoughts are and what this te other team should do, whatever you start keeping a mental Rolodex of what people are saying. And even like now, I like if I'm, you know, I, my first story this year was about um, Bradley Beal's situation. And I investigated like the Kyle Larry, will he be back in like February? And I did in the John Collins Atlanta Hawks thing. And then I heard through that, like Christoph Porzingis might be available. You start just having conversations. That. And when, when, when people start to say the same thing, that's when you know, all right, this might, be real and then you bring it to the person that could actually confirm it and then you just tell them hey look like i'm writing the story um, i'm not trying to get anybody i'm just telling i'm just telling the public what it is and in order to do my job as accurately and fairly as possible i want to bring it to you because i know you 
And I want to like make sure that you, that I'm doing you as much of a solid as I am doing the fans that I'm essentially working for. That's kind of right. been my approach. And um, I think honesty and like authenticity and and genuineness in that regard is like the best way to do it because a lot of executives honestly are paranoid when talking to the media because they don't want to do something or say something that's going to get their boss in trouble or even get them in trouble. Um, so. I think you just kind of have to call a spade a spade and recognize that from the beginning. And that's always been my approach. So I want to know, you know, Oklahoma city thunder have a reputation of being famously (laughs) tight, tight lipped. Right. I want to know from your perspective, what you can share, obviously, you know, is that true? And kind of what has your experience been trying to get info about any deals that involve OKC? Um, Definitely true. My (laughs) experience with getting info from OKC is that typically I get pretty solid stuff from them afterwards. If I, uh, yep. yeah. and I'm, again, it's the same thing about like approaching it. You know, I, I'm trying sometimes even like I learned this back my sophomore year of college. I'll never forget. I had a professor who said, you know, when you, this, these aren't like expert, like an expert in a story is like a, a college professor. Typically that's like the industry term, like getting expert quote. Um, but when you approach anybody who has info that you don't have, they, they'll usually be more willing to talk to you if you approach it as like, hey, I just want to learn more and like be educated on what the situation was. So typically that works a lot in like, hey, I'm writing this story about the George Hill trade to Philly. And, you know, I'm just curious, like, he's really good. He should have had a lot of trade value. His name wasn't coming up, you know, a lot in rumors. Why not? Like, what was their activity? Blah, 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 blah. Um, so what was, what was the other part of the question? About that it, that it was, was it. Yeah. You, okay. you, you nailed it. It was whether Oklahoma city is as, as tight lipped as it seems and kind of your experience has been, are. but yeah, yeah, I think they you did. nailed it. That's fascinating. <laughs> Very. And so I'll, I'll, give, I'll give one little anecdote. On yes, top please. I was in Denver last year, um, for like a week i like embedded with the team i I did a couple stories for bleacher um it came out like later in the playoffs but i was there in like november because i knew denver was going to be good and they just like there was like little stories like kind of like i was saying how i don't typically i don't really write about basketball right um the nuggets had this had this team mom who's like a fan who's been at the arena for 20 years she used to literally make bags of candy yes okay i remember you put that story out yeah like things like that <laughs> and like i knew the nuggets, the nuggets had a coach's carpool um like mike balloon's couple <laughs> assistants they literally carpooled the game so i think i would hear those things from just talking to people i was like i gotta get to denver so it was one night and i'm in denver and they put me next to sometimes they put the media next to advanced scouts and um those are guys who are going to scout other NBA teams to like literally write down their play sets and then send it in to the coaching staff to be like, you're playing Denver in, in two nights. Well, here's this whole game they just had, whatever. So there was a Thunder guy there. Who like, I mean, at this point, I'm a pretty personal person. Also, I've been doing this for long enough. It's pretty easy for me to find some mutual connection or whatever. I was talking to this guy for like the whole game. I thought we were boys, and I was like, all right, we're gonna get, I'm going to get this guy over. <laughs> You know, we'll. I buttered him up. We're good. Not not even that. It's like genuine, like we're hanging out. This is good. (laughs) 
I like looked down between one timeout, three minutes left, and I got a pat on the back. I look up. He was like, "Hey, man, great to meet you." He literally just took off. Like he didn't give me an opportunity <laughs> to exchange like a business card, a number, or whatever. That's the kind he didn't of get a chance to ask him a question. I mean, he was just did, <laughs> yeah. Did you did you do you think that he like anticipated that was coming, so he was getting the hell out of Dodge before you had the chance to like <laughs> maybe, maybe try to get his number or something? Maybe I think a lot of advanced scouts also are like on the road 20 constantly like, on the news. Yeah. Exactly. They just like, I need to get home and go to sleep because yep. I've yeah. seen that. I don't care to see the last like seven minutes of this game. Like I know what's going on here. I'm going to go back and yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So you had mentioned you're kind of working for the fans. So when you're, you're dropping rumors, reports, yeah. like it's geared towards the fans, but how much influence do you think that has on other front offices? Cause they're talking to each other individually um, yeah. But for example, like Kristaps Porzingis, maybe um, the Celtics hadn't talked to Dallas in a while, ex- uh, you know, exclusively about him. How much do you think these reports from, you know, yourself and even like, whoa, Shams, these kind of guys. Um, yeah. how, <laughs> <laughs> how, how much does that, you know, have an influence on other front offices? Like, are they looking at that and saying, OK, we need to be calling or is this more of, you know, they're yeah. they're not putting their heads in the clouds on that kind of stuff? So there's been like kind of a paradigm shift where for a while I think on social like fans were kind of in the dark and now it's gone to the nth degree where anytime a story comes out it seems like people are like oh well who well who's the reason behind this like there's got typically yes when something becomes public there's a reason behind it and someone watered it out but other times like the the Porzingis situation is a perfect example where the Mavericks didn't want that out. Obviously, other teams probably would have liked that to get out, but it came it came to my attention just in making calls, randomly talking to people that, I, that I've known for five to seven to ten years, whatever you know. Huh. And I just I got a piece of my editor, and I also <laughs> and, and we know that, and and I also think that situation was different too when someone who's you know a former All Star was just traded you know, two first round picks in order to get that guy to be the guy to pair with the guy, Luca, right? All of a sudden for him to be considered even available, that's newsworthy. Um, that only got out because other teams told me that. And they told me that because they definitely had a vested interest in it. But I didn't I'm not like just putting that out there because they told me to. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so there's definitely like a judgment call and I also am always balancing them. Like when I write a story, not it's not like breaking down all those names like Harrison Barnes, Aaron Gordon, and Victor Oladipo, whatever. Like the Porzingis one, I heard a lot about Dallas, like interpersonal relationships in that locker room between the coaches and the players that like could have been even buzzier. Not to toot my own horn, but it just is the truth. <laughs> right, that's no, right, right. You don't, you don't, you, I never write a hundred percent of what I hear. To, uh, to, right, mostly to protect people who are telling me that are also people who I hope will tell me things in the future. Um, You don't want to burn any bridges when it comes to absolutely. Exactly. So there's a balance of like, all right, this is interesting. This is newsworthy. I have it. Nobody else has it yet. Um, Why hasn't, I haven't like, I remember listening to um, Brian Windhorse's podcast after that Porzingis thing came out and they're like, well, yeah, we can confirm that, but there's like a reason why we haven't reported it. Well, like the reason why is because they didn't want to make, Cuban mad and exactly. that's what I made, I made Cuban mad. 
So, but in <laughs> the day, like he's not going to probably get traded anyway, and it's going to get a lot of clicks from my boss. And like, it's okay. that's how you are yeah, right. Exactly. It's, that's how you make a living. <laughs> yeah. So one more before we transition over uh, to talking about the book. Yeah. Um, have you ever dropped uh, an article, a tweet, a piece of news, whatever uh, that ended up like? getting another front office like upset with you like have you ever got a call from a gm or an assistant gm or someone in the front office that's like jake why the hell are you dropping this news when we're trying to keep it quiet and like like got your ass chewed out essentially like has that ever happened like from someone who didn't know it was coming or i talked to somebody and then wrote it and then they were upset with what what came out let's go with c all of the above okay. <laughs> i mean one that comes to mind i don't know if you guys remember at the end of the summer of 2019, um, I did a whole thing on the Pelicans. Like I, I was with them all throughout summer league pretty much. And I talked to David Griffin to, you know, all the, all the players that weren't named Zion to other people in the front office. I mean, I, I was in, I was embedded. Like, like that was like, that's the word we use in the biz. I was in, like I was there and they gave me a lot of access and I did want to write. I was, I was like a fan of what they were doing. That's why I did it. Um, but the through line of that story wasn't like I wrote this 6,000 word story for my editors at Sports Illustrated. They cut it to a 3,500 word story because the through line of it was David Griffin was in Cleveland with LeBron. He left because of certain situations that LeBron, and now he's in New Orleans building around the next LeBron. And he's what are the lessons he took from that first situation and how is he going to do it now? And that was obviously the through line throughout it. But because I knew that I didn't want to write about David Griffin, like I want to write about the Pelicans, I knew that people in New Orleans would be upset at the version of the story that my editors wanted to write. And um, that one that got trimmed down to. And ESPN then, like, were, they like on Sports Center and Around the Horn and whatever, they like were putting, they were like cutting quotes and like putting them together. Mm -hmm. And it was like a whole thing. The Pelicans were not happy. But at the end of the day, for any aspiring writers out there, one lesson that I've been taught and learned and like totally um, used to my advantage, you can always blame your editor. Always blame your editor. <laughs> Even if it's not your fault. You can say, like, bad, he bad headline, whatever. I fought my editor on it. I really, and most of the time it's true. Most of the time, like this Pelican story is a perfect example. I told them, this is going to happen. But on their side, the story blew up and they're like, we told right. you, you know? Right. Um, so you can always blame your editor. And if you're like, again, I think the theme I've hit on is like honesty and openness. You just tell them like, you're right. It came across a certain way. I thought it wasn't my intention, whatever, whatever. It usually is fine. I haven't had anybody. There's one person who I won't name. The story didn't even come out. Um, it's, it's someone in the league who was involved in like a scandalous thing that did come out and I was doing a profile on them and um, they were not happy to find out that I was like calling all their former employees and whatnot and trying, and they, they still <laughs> kind of roll an eye whenever my name comes up. Um, but typically people know, typically people know, like you just have a job to do. And I, and I say that all the time, like, look, man, I'm, I'm just making the call. You know, that's, that's kind of how it goes. Fun. That's that's fascinating. Well, let's use that to transition to built to lose. 
Um, you've been presumably spending a lot of time and spent a lot of time researching and interviewing and getting everything ready for this book uh, that comes out on people. Wow. Yeah. On, on May 4th <laughs> is the release date. Tell us before we start to dive into kind of those interviews yeah. and stuff, where, where did the motivation to, to write this come about and, and where did the idea kind of hatch? Uh, and I'm interested, you just talked about Pelicans and Zion and, mm -hmm. and kind of the rebuild there. Uh, if we see any like interweaving from what you're about to say yeah. on, on where the motivation came and, and where the Pelicans possibly tie in there. So, so where, what sure. hatched this idea? So I'm from Philly. I grew up a huge Sixers fan. And um, there you go. Started, <laughs> you can I almost leave the answer at that, right? <laughs> yeah. I, st I started writing for Liberty Ball as the explanation Sixers blog, like right yeah. at the time of the process. And I mean, this is basically what the, what's in the prologue. It was like the way I started my career. Like it was the way I got, I was writing things that were getting attention. Um, you know, anytime I ever introduced myself to somebody and told them I was from Philly, it was a talking point. I'm not a Sixers fan anymore. Um, that's not like a like a stunt. Like whenever I tell people that, they're like, "Oh yeah, like objective journalist guy." This kind of <laughs> happens. Like I'm rooting. I'm going to games rooting for the team that I need to talk to to win, so they're going to be in a good mood in the locker room. You know, um, mm -hmm. this, it just so happens that if Philly were to win the title this year, it'd be very good for my book. Um, but <laughs> that's a good that's a good point. Yeah, but so in in debating the process specifically. Um, I did kind of like, it was a battleground of reporting and like having these conversations and finding that objectivity and like figuring out how to be a legitimate journal. I was like still in college at the time. I was in school in Boston, which the Celtics were doing the same exact thing. Like people forget that the Drew Holiday trade for New Orleans happened the same exact night that the Celtics traded KG and Paul Pierce to, um, to Brooklyn. And with the ties back into OKC too, like all those teams – were A, copying the Thunder for how they got KD and, and Russ and Harden, but also they were afraid of the Heat, who obviously took care of you guys pretty quickly, although that series, I think, was closer than people remember. Um, yes. But a yes. lot of teams, a lot of analytical-minded executives, Hanky in Philly, you know, Ainge was kind of like the godfather even to Daryl Morey because Daryl Morey started in Boston. And they pulled – the Suns pulled Ryan McDonough from Boston to Phoenix – um, Rob Hennigan left you guys to go to Orlando. The Kings hired Pete D'Alessandro, um, who was, you know, a nerdy, like, lawyer before he got into basketball. Uh, and even, you know, David Griffin, we just talked about, he was running Cleveland. They were tanking from LeBron. All those teams were simultaneously trying to copy OKC and trying to outlast Miami. And it honestly was like they were trying to be bad and get those guys for when the next LeBron and – D Wade and Chris Bosch for when those guys were out of their primes, like we're seeing right now with Boston and Philly. And even like Phoenix didn't do it what they thought they would. They didn't think their 13th pick Devin Booker would be the guy, but right. um, so it just was such a thing. I was right in it from being from Philly, being in Boston. And um, I got to know a lot of those people. Like I, I know Sam Hankey a little bit, like more than I think the average media person does. And um, I just, was so fascinated by what was happening. And it was clearly such a polarizing topic that I figured at a certain point, you know, I might as well give it a shot. So here we are. That's awesome. That's really, it's super interesting. So just kind of on that note, who did you originally pitch this to and how did it all kind of come together with, you know, ultimately now Triumph Books, who's going to be publishing it? Yeah. Um, basically I was at SI for a while and I was kind of, 
hitting some resistance, let's say, in my upper mobility there. Um, and I wanted to like have a project that I could wrap my arms around and like, this is mine. And like, I'm writing this for me. I'm not trying to like prove to anybody like what I can do or, you know, or even just like, this is my reporting chops. These are my writing chops. I just wanted like a project that I could sink my teeth into and like bring it. Um, so I did, I, I was working on it quietly for like a year. I was just like mulling. I was just quietly talking to people, mulling it over. I probably did like a hundred interviews and then I was working on sample chapters and I wrote this story for SI about this college basketball fraternity about all these walk-ons in the country who like are bonded by some group text. It was like a cute, like heartfelt story. And my, and my agent, Joe Perry, um, found it and emailed me one day and was like, Hey man, I think this story could be a book. Like I'm, I'm, I'm starting to be a literary agent on my own. Would you want to, you know, come work with me and do this? And I was like, actually, I'm working on another book. Um, it's this, um, would you want to work on that one? He was like, uh, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> let's do that one instead. <laughs> um, so, and to be honest, like shout out triumph because, um, your own Weitzman had a book come out just about Philly a little bit before me. And, um, the publishing world is super competitive and very subjective and we were having problems. Like no one really wanted to buy it because your own book was coming out first. So we like pivoted the um, idea a little bit and, and worked on it and Triumph saw an opportunity. And um, I'm pretty grateful that they did because I don't really know what I'd be doing for a living right now. <laughs> um, and, you know, it seems you guys are calling it highly anticipated. And <laughs> I hope it is. It you can put like that on, you know, on the back of books, how they always have like the, the quotes, yeah. the reviews, <laughs> highly anticipated, the uncontested podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, uh, I'm, 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 I'm excited, but yeah, I'm excited about it. I, I think it's one more little like sell. I mean, the book costs like over 20 bucks, you know? So um, <laughs> I wanted to make, and to go back to um, an earlier question too, about like kind of working for the fans. I've always tried to view my job as like, I have a key into a door that the average person doesn't. And I can ask a question that the average person who's watching the game can't. So I tried to have the book be like 90%, if not more, all new material or furthered material that's that stuff that's already been out publicly. Um, so that's like what I'm really excited about. There's so many anecdotes and like transactional things that I've just been sitting on for like three years that I'm pretty excited for people to find out about. That's awesome. Super that's cool. cool. So, so obviously Philly, but who else kind of, what other teams, what other big storylines are yeah. we going to be able to get out of this book? So it kind of, it starts at the book starts at the 2013 draft. I like bring you to Nerlens Noel's draft table in Barclays as John Calipari is freaking out that this guy is falling from one to two to three. Like I'm breaking down like the whole, it's kind of like that ACL. Um, Exactly. It's kind of like a TikTok, like as the picks, as the picks are coming, you know, like why isn't he going at two? Here's the background of all these teams. And they all happen to be the teams that go th forward. Um, but it really stems from, I think, that summer of 2012 when um, Hennigan gets to Orlando and the Andrew Bynum, Dwight Howard trade. Um, it, I mean, it signals a rebuild in Orlando, but that trade in um, to Andrew Bynum, like, accidentally triggered the process in Philly. The Lakers 
got Dwight Howard. They're supposed to be the super team, but it was a precursor to show. I mean, the Lakers are the independent variable. I've been calling them in this case study of the tanking era where, you know, Boston traded KG and Paul Pierce. Phoenix traded Steve Nash to that Lakers team. They were obviously tanking. The Lakers were not trying to be bad, but they were really bad Kobe's last couple of years. <laughs> but, they're, but they're important because those other teams are tanking, especially you guys know this in Oklahoma City. If you're a small market, in order to get the Dwayne Wade to bring LeBron and, and Chris Bosh to your team with you, you got to draft that guy first. You're not L.A. And L.A. has such an advantage. They can be the worst team in the league for three years and still get LeBron and then have Anthony Davis get traded there. So it really follows team building and this new mindset that really has become so public as these analytical minded and like younger and sharper execs have, have risen. And it brings a lot of like anthill history and little stories from draft decisions to, you know, coaching hires. And it, it, it kind of is like a game of Thrones of being bad and like chasing that one seed as much as teams are chasing winning the title from, you know, Brad Stevens, like figuring out how to be an NBA coach versus being a college coach and the the struggles that Philly had, you know, just keeping those, like keeping Nerlens on task and Joel Embiid um, isn't really in it that much because he kind of, the book kind of ends in 2016 and spins forward to the lottery reform with Zion. So that's what I was going to ask. Like kind of, I don't want you to spoil anything at all, but like from a structure standpoint, you know, knowing you and your work, you know, we've kind of hinted at this already. It's not going to be a team by team chapter, right? It's very much going to be a story base by story base, and you're going to tie them all together. I'm curious, can you shed any light onto how you, you know, how you you did it, or um, yeah. is that something you kind of have to like wait and read the book to see? No, I can, I can. I mean, it will be better by reading it. So yeah, right. I yes. it. Um, <laughs> very, yeah. Hey, I already have it pre-ordered. You're uh, you're preaching to the I choir. <laughs> Yeah, it, it starts out at the 2013 draft, like I said, and the draft scenes are really fun, I think, because, I mean, 2014 is what those guys were building for, right? Like, obviously, Wiggins and Jabari didn't become what everyone was thought they were, but that draft was considered to be, you know, the next version of 2003. And he, and we look forward now, like, it's still, those guys are right at the top tier of the storylines this season. Like, Embiid was the MVP frontrunner until he got hurt. Julius Randle is this, like, shocking all-star, but he's, like, a legit all-star. Aaron Gordon gets traded. He was number four in that pick. Like Marcus Smart is the heart and soul of Boston, yada, yada, yada. That draft was big. So I bounce around those teams primarily a lot through the drafts. And like as we're going on the clock, like, you know, in 2014, it's it we go from the lottery to Cleveland's pre-draft, you know, scene with bringing in Embiid and evaluating Wiggins and Jabari and all that stuff. And then when we get to like Philly at three. Like I introduced the fa- I introduced some secret workout that the Sixers had. Um, I'm not going to say too much, but they got one of those top prospects to have a one-on-one. They called up his agent and said, you know, we need to see this guy against somebody. Here's a list of our prospects we've already seen. Like have him go one-on-one against this guy, which is unheard of now, right? Like all these top yeah. guys go <laughs> one-on-zero. So like I introduced that as Philly's on the clock at three. So those th- that that wow. like we we're going through the draft and like going back in time, which is look, it's a little bit honestly. I was finishing it up when the last dance came out, and I was starting to get a little worried because everyone in the last dance, right, was talking about no offense to the last dance, the last dance guys. People were starting to talk about the time changing was a little too crazy. So that actually kind of helped me like keep it tighter. 
Um, but then outside of the drafts, and honestly, this kind of goes chronologically. And I, I had a, a teacher tell me one time, like, sometimes when you're working on something and like, it seems like it's too good to be true, how like, the timing has worked out, that means you're like onto something. Um, and it just kind of, I found times in every season where like Philly and Orlando would play. And then I would like take you from the Sixers locker room and then into Orlando's locker room and we'd leave with Orlando and you follow Orlando and then they get to Phoenix and then it would spin the same exact thing. Um, so that's kind of how that's a, that's a brief overview, I guess. That's perfect. perfect. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That, awesome. that structure sounds really, really fun. Um, Jake, to, to kind of to kind of bring us home here uh, and, and tie it back into to what we cover a little bit from yeah. all the interviews you've done uh, for this book, um, all all the in depth analysis that you do with the idea of tanking and, and teams trying to be bad in order uh, sacrifice short term success for for long term success. I, I want to ask you now. All, everything you've learned from all these interviews, from writing this book, from from constructing this massive narrative, where do you see the the current 2021 Oklahoma City Thunder uh, in that process uh, and and moving forward? We obviously know the Thunder are armed to the yes. damn teeth with draft picks and and young mm-hmm. promising players, and now they're sitting Al Horford and they traded away George Hill and all this stuff. Yeah. Where do you see the Thunder kind of in this process from? Uh, really from the tank expert, which is you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I mean, the purpose of the book was to kind of present all these different teams. Like I said, I mentioned like case studies earlier and kind of compare and contrast them to show how difficult this is, how difficult building a team is from scratch. Now there is no one correct way because there's unpredictable factors and all that stuff. Right. So with Oklahoma city's uh, standpoint, like I think number one, I don't think that front office thought this team would be that good right this, this right now, right? Like they're right 100%. in the mix of competing for the playing tournament. And as we know, like that kind of can screw a team up. Like if you guys don't get in that top five this year, that's everyone's saying this is a five player draft. Obviously there's more players outside of that, but everyone is saying that there's a clear drop off at a certain point. If you're not in there, it could be, it could be a, a step back that that team wasn't necessarily expecting to happen. But at the same time, Look at Boston, like they tanked hard that 2013-14 season. And then they were right back in the playoffs in 14-15, and they made some moves because their guys were getting better. They had opportunities to, to buy low, like getting Isaiah Thomas at that 2015 trade deadline, like shot Boston back in the playoff picture. Um, and they, you know, obviously they're in, in, a, in a tenuous situation right now, but they were like making conference finals and whatever. They were going way more ahead of the curve and way faster than Philly. So that brings me back to OKC. I, I mean, I've been a big fan of Shea back to Kentucky. I know a lot of people in the league have been as well. Um, I don't think the Thunder thought he'd be this good this soon either. And that's to me what brings this current situation to its like crossroads and its big question mark. Like he's damn damn good. Yep. And like if taking him like another up, step this season. Yeah. Like potentially getting into like all NBA type category. Like he hasn't been an all star yet. That's probably because of the team he's on. I would yep. say like he had an all star caliber season this year. Probably better than Devin Booker. Like this guy is shooting 40 plus percent off, th- off from three, like off the bounce. Like this kid is legit. So there's the Thunder going to have to balance this um, 
because obviously they've stacked all these draft assets, like you mentioned. And at a certain point, too, they're going to have to learn from Boston's situation where the Celtics are kind of getting laughed at by a couple of rival teams mm-hmm. right now that they never, ever cashed in those picks. Like, sure, they signed Kyrie, they signed Al Horford, they signed Gordon Hayward. Like, they were pretty much a bona fide contender. But all those guys left, and they never traded for AD. They never traded for Kawhi. They're, they had these two guys. But like, they, they only had those two guys. So the Thunder are going to come to a point where Shea is so good and I mean, they're already. I'm sure they're past the point of like we need to maximize him being on this rookie sale, this rookie scale deal, because it's just they're not going to be competing while he's on that contract. It's just not going to be the case. But at a certain point, his timeline is going to accelerate. Um, I think what the franchise had in mind for their timeline. That's a perfect example of what I was trying to get at with the book. That like independent variables just happen and like. You got to adapt. And he is going, I think, I think, especially with you talk about the Pelicans earlier, like those two teams are in an arms race for like trading for the next Bradley Beal, let's say. Like, I don't think the Thunder are like on the edge of their seat like New Orleans is. Like, they're thinking they're one piece away from like being a real contender. But I do think Shea is going to push them to push their chips into the table sooner than they expected and like try to actually do something because that kid is like the real, the real the, deal. The real, and so that's that's a really good point, and we kind of mentioned this as well because you know it, it makes this season all the more important because, like you said, Jake, if we miss out, if we if the OKC Thunder miss out on a top five pick this season, that's another season of Shea's, you know, kind of coming into his prime. And then say you do finally get that that top caliber pick another season from now or two seasons from now, well, Shea's already mid twenties, yeah. and so it, it's a super interesting. Uh, but it, and then just the other variable variable to that is all the different assets that Presley does have to use. So yeah. if he does end up with two top 10 picks, but they're both outside the top five, he has all these different assets he can use to try and trade up to get the, you know, Jalen sure. Suggs, Kate Cunningham, Kaminga, Jalen Green, fill in the blank. Yeah. Um, so it, it's super interesting to see how, how it will all play out and how Presley's is able to leverage all of that. And the other thing too, I mean, I think it's impossible to talk about tanking without connecting it to the exact opposite end of the spectrum where it's, Tanking really, I think, stems from teams like there's a Kevin Love element that pops up in the book when he left Minnesota in 2015. The the Timberwolves were trying to make the playoffs in 2013-14. Kevin Love was a bonafide MVP candidate. He says, I'm leaving. Boom. The Minnesota Timberwolves are the number one pick next year in the draft. So there's this vicious vicious cycle where, I mean, the the Pelicans are a perfect example where they were really bad after they traded Chris Paul. They get Anthony Davis. They do everything they can to keep Anthony Davis. And then he wants out and they got lucky. They got lucky that they got Zion, but it just, now they're waiting to get Bradley Beal. It's this vicious cycle where teams are just trying to get that superstar and pair him with another one. And when you pair him with another one, you're taking him from someone else and that team's got to go in the tank. So that brings us back to at a certain point too, I'm not saying this is any issue right now, but at a certain point, we're going to start to hear the clock is ticking on OKC and Shea Gilders Alexander. Like that's just inevitable. Yep. Yep. So, and Sam Press is too smart a guy to not think, not not be hearing that already in the back of his head. Definitely, it's it's a fascinating uh, cycle, like you said, you know, and it's going to be interesting to see how how the Thunder approach it because you, you said you, you don't think the Thunder front office expected them to be this good this year. Uh, I don't think any last year either. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. The past exactly. two years was supposed to be let's try to get a top five pick, and yeah. uh, you know they're going to f around and and fall outside of the top five again. So, well, Jake, man, we appreciate your time so much. Before we let you out of here, will you yeah. please plug where people can find your book when it comes out, how they can pre-order it, and give you all their money um, <laughs> and, and all that stuff? Just, just you have the floor. Thank you. It uh, it comes out May fourth. You can buy it. Um, you can pre-order it anywhere books are sold. Uh, someone has put it, the Amazon link in your chat right now. Appreciate you. Um, you can buy it on Barnes and Noble, bookshop.org if you want to help out a local bookstore. Um, Amazon's fine too. Um, it's going to, like I said, it's, it's, it's going to bring you, you know, conversation, like literal conversations that people like when Brett Brown got hired in Philly and I tried to do all this work to kind of showcase why he was the guy that they brought in, uh, into that program. And like when he gets to Philly um, after his press conference, he meets with the team CEO and he's like, you know, you're, you're in Philadelphia now. Let's get, you probably don't have a car up here. Let's get you a car deal. And Brett was like, you can do that. Like, yeah, we can get you any car you want. And Brett was like, any car? And he said, yeah. And Brett said, all right, can I, can I get a Jeep? Like little things like that, that like, <laughs> Can I get a uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Like those, sto- those stories from like the fact that the Kings were going to take CJ McCollum in 2013 at number seven, they were going to take CJ McCollum. That is unless Ben McElmore was available. Sure enough, it took Ben McElmore <laughs> and CJ McCollum, you know, is what he is. Maybe, maybe we have CJ and DeMarcus cousins are like, you know, a, a big man, little man combo in, in Sacramento for, you know, a decade. So those conversations that front offices are having, like I mentioned, a secret pre-draft workout, like all that stuff is in there. It ranges from transactional stuff to human interest things. So I hope uh, I hope people enjoy it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we are super excited for it. There's nothing I enjoy more than the the this nitty gritty, like the behind the scenes, the conversations. Yes. And this this book is basically just a, a peek behind the curtain at sure. all of that stuff. And so for all of our listeners who are NBA junkies like ourselves, uh, this is like, uh, yeah. it's like yeah. Christmas morning, man. It's, it's going to be incredible. So, so Jake, Jake man, it, it, it's written for NBA Twitter entirely. I want to see snippet. Like once yes. you buy, hey. I want to see, I want to see people putting you know, a picture like, full of, a, of a paragraph and tweeting out. There's crazy, Perfect. crazy King shit from like, Quebec firing. <laughs> An assistant coach just to like prove a point like all this stuff so that's oh, I, I can't wait i, I already kind of picked up on something jake you know after the trade deadline there's reports out that the, yeah this past week that you know there were some teams holding out for bradley bill and uh there's one other one too i'm going blank but anyways you you uh you linked bradley bill to the pelicans here a couple times i don't think that was on accident <laughs> well, they want him for sure <laughs> and Bradley Beal's not available by any stretch. He right. wants to be in DC, but maybe we'll see. Well, I, I for one am looking forward to all the Kings and the the Vlade stories. Uh, I hope we get another uh, Vlade didn't know he's supposed to call the league office to make a trade type of story in your book because that's one of my favorite NBA like bylines of all time. So, Jake, man, again, thank you so much for joining us. We cannot thank you enough. To our thank listeners, you, go buy that book. I'm going to pull a Shay Serrano here. Go buy the book or go to hell, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's the rules. You buy the book or you go to hell. So, you guys. Yeah, for sure, man. You have a good one. We uh, look forward to, to seeing the book. And again, man, we appreciate you so much. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Sure. Thanks, Jake. Take care, everyone. 
Justin, before we continue, I think uh, it is time that we tell our listeners about some stuff. <laughs> I love if stuff. If I can find the music. Oh, my God. The suspense. Oh this, this is awful. <laughs> this is awful. Here it is. I'd like to talk to you about hosting your own podcast with our distributor, Blue Wire Pods. And there is no better place to host than with Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters. I mean, that's us, obviously. Access to our community Discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for just $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to me or us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But the website is bwhustle.com slash join. Well, gentlemen, uh, Jake was an incredible guest. So I had, good. A, I had a blast with that. that was awesome. uh, we have, speaking of tanking, we we have some thunder stuff to talk about. Yes. Uh, and there is no better segue than from going to talking about a book based on tanking to the tank meter itself, baby. Loser! You're a loser! And that means that the number one pick in the NBA draft goes to... Gentlemen, trade deadline has come and passed. Uh, some things have happened with the Oklahoma City Thunder. We got to update this tank meter. Remember, full means they are full-blown tanking it up. The hatch is closed. Guns are loaded. We're storming across France. That was a World War One reference. Um, <laughs> the tank looking is, like a true tank, history teacher. <laughs> if the tank is empty, this team is winning the title. Nick, where's that meter at? I think it's impossible not to be full right now mm. with what's happened over the past week. I've I've not said it's full all year. I'll put that on the record. I, I've been uh I've been kind of conservative on it. I don't think it. any of us have. To your no, point. I don't think so. No. And you're you're mutually agreeing to sit out. You're buying out Austin Rivers. You're intentionally I don't know. Intentionally is the right word. You're uh you're milking injuries. Um, yeah. It seems like Oklahoma City wants to start the bottom of the bench as much as they can, although they're winning some games doing it. They're trying their best. I think they've realized, and Mark Mark said this in a, a pregame press conference. He said, as soon as Shea went down, the decision for Al was expedited, and it made it sound like, A, Shea's going to be out for a while, and B, as soon as that news dropped, it was like, hey, we're going full tank. I love how you just point. referred to Coach Dagnall as Mark. Mark. Like you, you boys, you guys are on a, a first <laughs> name basis. Like you In just dog. they are. You're like, yo, what's up, Mark? <laughs> hey, Mark. It's incredible. What a flex, Nick. What a flex, <laughs> Justin. From full to empty, where is that meter at? I, 
I agree with Nick. The intentions of this front office are abundantly clear after this last week. I mean, following what was it last Monday where they beat the Timberwolves? Yeah. Everything since then has been burn it to the ground to lose games, right? That Timberwolves Whether, game was the breaking point. Yeah. The Timberwolves game last year when Dennis Schroeder had that full court pass was yes. the flipping point to go up this Ooh. year. Italy. Look at that, Nick. You might as well write a damn book just like right. Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, man, all of their intentions are there. I'm not ready to say full tank because this damn team, (laughs) Jay, they just, they, they burn the best laid plans to the ground and I'm still not convinced that they won't do that. I mean, for the first three quarters of the game against the Celtics, it looks like they were going to do it again. And you Mm -hmm. get to be a point where you're watching that, where it's like, it's so obvious what the front office wants to do. Like at what point do they, I I don't know, put Kenny hustle on house arrest or something like (laughs) they're running out of options. It turns out he has long-term brain swelling. Won't be available until the first game of next year. (laughs) I'm not going to joke about a concussion, but Lou Dort's concussion, concussion, I think in no small part changed the course of that Celtics game. And you know, the, the thunder get worked in the fourth quarter and they lose. I'm still, I need to see a week of this, I think is where I'm at. I need to see a week of this. If they go over four this week, next Sunday, it's a full tank meter, baby. Right now, yeah, I'm ready. I, ne- right now, I'm, I'm going to leave it at three fourths of a tank. Um, but I, yeah, the intentions <laughs> are so clear, but this team, this team gives me no faith that they'll fulfill their duties on the court. And and you guys correct me here, but with Lou Dort having a concussion and being out of the game tomorrow, the Thunder's starting unit tomorrow will feature zero players that were in the starting unit on opening night. Because that opening yeah. night was Shea, Lou, Hill, Bays, and Horford. And yep. All five of those guys are either not on the team or out with an injury or out because they don't want to play basketball anymore. Not to mention <laughs> sixth, sixth man Hamadou Diallo. Sixth man Hamadou Diallo is gone. Seventh man Mike Muscala is just not going to play basketball anymore. Um, yeah, he's listening. I swear out. to God, if and, and here's the thing: we know Shea's going to be out. We know Al's going to be out. We know Horford's going to be out. I think on average about a week for a concussion protocol, right? I like yeah. I don't have numbers. I'm not doing like little equations and shit in front of me, right? <laughs> but that's like a week is about what you would expect for a concussion protocol. I think so. In a this, busy this week might, against some elite competition too. This might be this might be the week. So Taylor, you're last up. Where are you putting that meter at? <laughs> I, I really like what Justin said. Um, I, I don't know if I want to go full tank because you have Moses Brown posting 2020s and <laughs> Teo Maladon going off for 20 points. <laughs> like these guys are just not going to quit. Like for example, tomorrow night against the Mavericks, Kendrick Williams and you know shoot Tony Bradley are probably going to each get 20 apiece. Like it's just how this team and this this uh, this culture operates. So I would say, just to use an analogy, I live about like 25 minutes away from my work. So uh, if I filled my gas tank up tonight all the way full and uh, I drove to work back and forth two days straight, I would probably, you know, I'm not all the way full, but I still have quite a bit of gas left. You know, what? there's that, that little gap you can see on the uh, on the, the gauge. I think that's where we're at with the, with the tank. Oh, what an oddly specific. specific. <laughs> 
I'm waiting for Taylor. I wanted to go. I just Taylor's like Zach Galifianakis gif where all the number symbols and stuff are fun around. He's like, well, if I put 21.2 gallons in, but then I drive 25 minutes to work, but then you got to consider four o'clock Tulsa traffic, and then it'll like holy shit. Hey, he's an OKC now, isn't he? Not yet. Not yet. Uh, yet. Mid May. Mid May. Putting the house on the market tomorrow, so that'll be fun. Nice. Is anyone on the podcast trying to buy houses? (laughs) (laughs) Holler at your boy. Oh, man. Um, He'll he'll autograph the podcast room if you buy it from him. There you go. This is uh, the room that echoes. Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) This is the room that I yell out the window at. Uh, I'm going to join Nick. I'm going full-blown, fill that bad boy up to the brim. The tank is on. The, The front office could not make it more clear. Nick and, and Justin both mentioned it. George Hill gets traded. Hamadou Diallo gets traded. You know, um, uh, Horford gets shut down. We effectively get told that they're going to continue doing the same thing with Mike Muscala, who gets shut down. Uh, Shea is essentially shut down. If we're if we're betting money right now, I've got money on Shea not coming back this season. Um, you know, Dort's got the concussion. There's they're going to ride the end of the bench. They're going to lose. And here's the thing is I think they have waited too long to get inside the top five as far as odds are concerned. I don't think there's a chance. I don't think you're catching Orlando at four. I think there's still a chance you catch Washington at five. I think Washington's currently at five. They're only like two and a half games up on that. There's a chance they can get there. I think that's possible. Um, I don't think you're, you're getting into that top four though. But then from there, uh, you are hoping on on two things. Either the coin flip works in your favor and your pick ends in the top four, or the coin flip works against the Rockets and they end up outside of the top four. I think one top four pick in this draft makes all of it worth it, regardless of which one it is. Wholeheartedly so, agree. agree. Wholeheartedly Jake agree. I echoed that as well earlier. Yeah, so. and I, I think that when, like you said, you look at the teams that are kind of outside the that top four is tough, but wizards, Cavs, Raptors, like all three of those teams should be trying to win games, at least for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And all four of those teams have players that are more talented than what OKC is putting out there. Now the OKC system is working legitimately, like not trying to sound like a jackass. (laughs) They could put us on that court offensively. And we could probably replicate some of that success. Defensively, all four of us are getting our asses cooked. <laughs> but offensively, the style. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
style of basketball they're playing, it just, it fits, right? If you have people yeah. buy into the system, the system produces what you needed. It's, it's very Spursian. I think I just made that word up, by the way. Uh, it's very Spursian, like though. Has anyone ever used that before? Can I trademark that? I like it. Popovich-esque. Popovorian. Popovorian. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Nick keeps giving me funny looks, so let's move on to around the <laughs> Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. I don't even know where you're sitting at. Like. All right, gentlemen. Well, we mentioned it earlier in the pod, but the trade deadline came and passed Thursday. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit uh, league-wide, because I did a post-game, or not a post-game, a post-trade deadline review uh, where I talked about the Oklahoma City Thunder. We had our guy Kevin McCormick on, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia 76ers, to talk about Tony Bradley. If you haven't listened to that already, I would encourage you to go check that out. Um, but I didn't get a chance to really talk league-wide deals. So let's do that. And Nick, I'm going to start with you. Your like winner trade of the day. It, it can be a player. It can be a team. It could just be the deal itself. What to you was like the, the, this was the best thing that happened on trade deadline day. Um, I would say it was kind of an underwhelming deal. I don't know what kind of player he's even going to be on this team, but the Miami heat getting Victor Oladipo for a, bag of chips and a guy with a ponytail seems <laughs> pretty good to me. Yeah. 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 Um, what Kelly Olenek, <laughs> Avery Bradley and the rights to swap a first rounder that it's not going to convey because the heat are going to be better. Uh, yeah. Nick, you think, you think Depot has been sandbagging it and Houston is going to show out in, in Miami. Um, I don't know. He hadn't looked like his explosive self since. I think he's a guy that can give them 20 a night, but if you look at his numbers in Houston, it took him 18, 19 shots to get that 20 a night. So it's going to come down to efficiency. Um, I'd love to see him pick things back up, but he's going to be playing in a system where there's a lot of guys that, that like to score the ball. And I don't know if he can be that Indiana MVP candidate that he was whenever it was you know him and Sabonis pretty much running the team. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah. He, hasn't been, he hasn't been in this this system and this this role 
since that's probably Oklahoma gonna, City. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to mention, Nick. Is that's what what's really interesting is the role. It could just free him up more um, when you have Bam and and Jimmy and surrounded by all those shooters. You know, him and and Drogic kind of being the other two ball handlers that aren't Jimmy Butler, I think is a really good thing for for Victor Oladipo, and um, it'll be interesting to watch him off ball in the system as well. Um, and and just from a, even a rehab standpoint, if if he does spend the off season in Miami, you know, come next season, um, if they do re-sign him, you know, I could see or give him the extension that he wants, whatever. I guess he turned on the extension, so it would be a new deal. I I could see where he 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 kind of looks a little revived um, to start next season as well. So even long term, I like it. I also one more if I if I can I would say I would call the Nets a winner although they didn't really do anything at the deadline the fact that Kyle Lowry stayed in Toronto the fact that that's, that's Aldridge didn't get traded and got bought out was big for them so I think that the Nets ultimately probably won the deadline without doing anything that's nice. a, I like that yeah that that's really good Justin your favorite thing from deadline day your favorite move decision acquisition welcome to the youth movement orlando oh man you stole that, mine. <laughs> uh, that's my winner of the day like we've spent so much time this season talking about teams that get stuck in the middle and orlando oh, kind of embodies that in the east they've floated around the middle they've never been in title contention for the last decade and that what I, I don't think they've won a playoff series in a decade. Like that's not where you want to be as a franchise. And that's where they were going to continue to be. If they just kept Aaron Gordon and Vusa Babusevic and <laughs> they finally, they cashed out. They have a, a lot of young guys now that they can take a look at and invest in and look towards the future. I mean, you're not going to be in a worse place. Give it five more years. You're not going to be in a worse place. If anything, you should be able to get back to the same place with the guys they have, but I bet they'll be in a better place because they, they were not satisfied with being stuck in the middle. Their president of basketball ops uh, on Friday came out and basically said that they sat down uh, last week and had the conversation on, uh, can the guys that we have when healthy win us a title? And when the, when the answer in that front office room was no, they said, all right, Let's hit reset. And yep. that's that's what you want your front office to do, right? Like you mentioned, we've talked about mediocrity a lot this year, uh, and that's the place that you don't want to be. And so it's refreshing to see a team say, you know what? Uh, we're, we were going to be in mediocrity. Mediocrity, even if we got those guys back, if everyone was healthy, if Fultz never got injured, if Jonathan Isaac never got injured, what were we competing for? The sixth seed, right? Right. Blow it, blow it up, hit reset and try it again. So, yep. uh, yeah, no, I like that. Taylor, you were going to, you were going to say Orlando's move. Uh, do you have a, I was, um, for a backup? but on, I, I think he has talked about the flip side of that trade as well. Right. Aaron Gordon. Um, I do really like him, you know, speaking of a, a guy like Victor Oladipo going to the heat and the heat system and being around guys like bam at a bio, um, Jimmy Butler, not having to be a main focal point. I think Aaron Gordon's going to fit great within that system for Denver. Um, already saw a play before we jumped on the podcast where uh, they had Jokic facilitating the offense at the top of the key because, you know, point center. <laughs> they had um, Murray go and set a pick for Gordon in the corner. He slashes to the basket. Um, obviously, just a perfect dime from Jokic to Gordon, slashing to the basket, slam dunk. Like just stuff like that, I think is going to be great. Having Gordon's underrated playmaking, I think, is going to be great for that team. And um, I think he's going to fit really well there. They didn't have to give up a ton 
at least as much as was rumored that the the matchup we're looking for in Aaron Gordon, which I think was fair, um, and or I, I think was fair what they end up getting for him, I should say. And so I think overall, overall, you have to consider Denver winner as well. But the other one I was going to mention is the Portland Trailblazers getting uh, getting Powell. I think that's going to be a great fit for, fit for them also, and, and gives CJ and Dame some much needed uh, offensive scoring power, and not to mention what he brings on the defensive end as well. So uh, I really like Warren Powell there and in Portland also. A follow-up on yours, Taylor, I think Aaron Gordon himself is a winner. We see this with a lot of guys that have talent but play on crappy teams that are on TV. Um, Example, Prime example, Contavious Caldwell-Pope played for the Pistons. You knew his name. You knew his numbers. He's in the Lakers now, and he's talked about every single day. Whether good or bad, Like he at least gets that spotlight. Um, When he got paid because of it, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and Aaron Gordon's 25, 26, ton of experience can shine in that offense, can be their defensive stopper. I think his image and him as a player is just is just only going to get better. So it's a win for him. Yep. And hopefully he can fall into a role. You know, I think he was maybe uh, miscast in Orlando. And if he can fall into a role in, in Denver, uh, be the the perfect role player rather than a, a go-to guy is going to be really big for Aaron Gordon. So Jacob, uh, give we'll, us yours. And then I want to jump into Chicago before we get out of here. Cause I thought that was interesting. So give us, give us yours. Oh man. That's, that's difficult because I probably would have went with the Orlando teardown as well. Like Justin said, yep. um, but, but let's take another flip side of that Orlando deal. Cause Orlando dominated the trade deadline. Um, we, we talked uh, again, kind of this theme of avoiding mediocrity, uh, I like the Bulls saying, F it, let's go for it. Okay, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, that's what I was going to ask. I like it. Zach's, Perfect. Zach's been awesome this season, uh, and you know it, it's kind of unfair to him for him to be awesome, and then the Bulls just to continue to sit on their hands and say, well, this is all we can do, right? And they, they're not going to win the title. They're probably not going to get home court right in the playoffs. They're not going to get a top four seed, but they made a concerted effort to show Zach like, hey, you're our guy and we're going to get you help and we're going to continue to try to uh, to do something, right? They It was a shit or get off the pot moment and and <laughs> they, they stepped up to the challenge, right? And yep. is that the best move for them trading for a 30-year-old center who makes like a crap load of money? Probably not, but I, I like the message that they're sending to their guy, right? Uh, and I, I think that's a product of their new front office. Uh, I also think it says something their their new front office drafted um, uh, Williams. What's his first name? Grant Williams. No, not or Grant, not Grant Williams. Williams. Uh, Patrick Williams. <laughs> Patrick Williams. Um, uh, th- this past draft, but all those other draft picks: Kobe White, Wendell Carter, Laurie Markkinen. That's not that front office's decisions, and that's not that coaching staff's decisions on those players. I don't think they're really married to those guys. And you saw it with shipping out Wendell. Um, you know, there was a lot of talks on deadline day of trying Markin. to do a, a marketing for Lonzo Ball type of swap. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe see something come up uh, this summer around the draft time if the Bulls try to try to make a move with with Kobe White or whatever. Right? Um, I, I think they are in a transitional period where they're going to go from from that Garpax era now to a, a team that's contending and and trying to press those buttons and. They're the third biggest market in the league, and I think we're going to start seeing them start acting like that a little bit more. I like it. That's what, that's what I was wanting to ask you guys. So that was uh, that was perfect. I think I'm with you. I, I, I like the Vucevic move. I like seeing him on that team. Um, 
it really is going to come down to developing that talent around, you know, those young guys, like you mentioned, you have Kobe white and Patrick Williams, and I think Williams is going to be really good. And to Nick's point, he's been on the Kobe white train. I think Kobe has a lot of untapped potential as well. It's, it's going to be up to Billy now, how those guys fit together. Um, chemistry. And like we kind of mentioned, I don't mean to put Billy under the bus here, but there's obviously a difference in the way this Thunder team plays compared to past years with Billy. A lot of that's due to personnel. I know Russell Westbrook was there a long time, CP3, you know, whatever. Um, but I'm curious how Billy is able to kind of balance all of that and, and get these guys to play together um, and, and maximize the talent. Because Billy, the there. first name basis with Billy? <laughs> Big B. My man BD. Uh, <laughs> with them earlier. All right, guys. Well, any other thoughts, um, NBA or Thunderwide, before we transition and get out of here? I think just buyout, right? Um, interesting that you have LA, LA, Lamarcus Aldridge going to the uh, Nets, and then you have um, Andre Drummond going to the Lakers. Just kind of a you know power moves on each side. Uh, there's obviously a bigger conversation there. We the I know that was random. That was Orgy Dang the Spurs is very weird. Very yes. weird. Very weird. He is shooting like 43% from deep on two attempts. I mean, he'll be good in the system, but like it's not like the Spurs are competing for a championship. Yeah, you would have thought Austin or Phoenix or somebody, but uh, I want to go. I want to go on record right now, and this is this is probably a hot take. I don't. Oh, I'm ready. Hold on, hold on. Let me get get the sounder ready. Okay, I'm hovering. The Lamar. Okay. (laughs) Pretend that didn't happen. I've got a hot take. You guys ready? (laughs) okay cool (laughs) the lamarcus aldridge signing is not that big of a deal no that's not that hot of a take okay fine (laughs) he's gonna get roasted defensively all i've seen over twitter is oh my god the nba's ruined the nets got lamarcus oh god this thing's why does anyone even try like i I love that this is your interpretation of NBA Twitter. It's just how NBA Twitter sounds like a, a valley. Is that how you read every tweet about basketball? Yes. Yep. Yes. That's actually my Shams voice. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Gordon. Hey, if you would have said Nick, Nick Claxon will be uh, will be closing games over no, LA really, and Blake. Like I'm in. Lamarcus is fine. He's also a really high usage player who's going to a team full of really high usage players. And I don't, I don't think he's going to get the volume to really make that big of an impact. I think this feels like one of those trades that looks super great in 2k or, you know, when, when you're playing in the trade machine and all the pieces look awesome. And we've seen so many of these over the last few years where teams are trying to shift their pawns around and make a super team and they get the right, guys in terms of you know big names but when they get on the court it doesn't work and that i just i don't see it i i'll be surprised if aldridge if aldridge really um moves the needle for brooklyn i'll call it i'll call it an insurance policy that's fair yeah Yeah. that's fair i'll take that but like i I I don't know the reactions just felt overblown of like yeah that's the trade that's the yeah. trade that makes you think the NBA is ruined. I don't think that's the one for me. Yeah, no, that that reaction was acceptable when the Harden trade hit. Yeah, right. Yes, right? wasn't really. Ex- I mean, the Blake one, it was like whatever. The Lamarcus yes. Aldridge signing, whatever. You know, exactly. Agreed. It's like you've you've already got the three tier cake with the icing and the 
the the chocolate ganache on the top and the birthday candles and every I don't I don't even know what else. Well, you Marcus Aldridge is just the stripper inside. It's because, <laughs> it's because it's because half of NBA Twitter hadn't watched the Spurs since they were good in 2017. Fair, yeah, that's probably fair. That yes, 100. All right, guys. Well, we will get out of here. Um, lots of Thunder stuff to continue to talk about as the season goes on. I also got that new outro music. Shout sweet. out to Jacob Silva for bringing the flames once again. Everyone's got the head <laughs> nod going on the pod right now. Hey, if you joined us live tonight, sorry we didn't get to your questions, uh, but we hope you enjoyed having Jake Fisher on to talk all things NBA, reporting, tanking, etc. Make sure you go buy Jake's book. Uh, it comes out on May 4th. We will may the fourth be with you. We will have that link up uh, to the Amazon sale on our Twitter page, so you can find it there. We'll also be back with you in about 24 hours after the Thunder take on the Dallas Mavericks. Really, nobody playing for the Thunder besides the goat Moses Brown. Uh, he will definitely be available with a lot more money in his pocket. Shout out Moses for that extension. If you're listening to this podcast version, please go drop a five star rating on Apple. That would mean a ton to us. Helps other people see the pod. Write a few nice words while you're at it. Just makes me feel better. Makes my week better, personally. Four games on deck this week. We'll be live with you on the Locker Room app after each one. So make sure you download Locker Room and tune in. Ask us live questions for our post-game show. Or listen to the post-game podcast, which will be in your feeds immediately after each game. Have a great beginning of your week. And we will talk to you soon. Thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.